Welcome to the Thriving in Chaos Project, the podcast that is designed to inspire you to truly live your very best life, all while living your life's transitions. Divorce coach, mediator, and host, Paulette, alongside host and divorce attorney, Sonia, help women leave behind the turmoil, confusion, and chaos of relationships and divorce. Together, they are discussing the topics that none of us talk about but really want to and introduce you to experts in their fields of relationships, marriage, parenting, mind-body wellness, career, business, finance, healing, and transformation. Each podcast episode focuses on sharing real conversations from real-life situations. Isn't it time you thrived? Join. Let's go. Thrive in the chaos. Good morning, and welcome to the Thriving in Chaos Project. I'm Paulette, and today, Sonia and I, she's over there. I used to go over there, but now she's over there. Bring mm-hmm. today with you an expert of experts about parenting, particularly co-parenting in COVID and beyond. So Sonia and I are here today on Friday, oh my God, May 8th. How the heck did that happen? Mm-hmm. Um, I bring to you today um, this really touching topic because so many people have reached out to both Sonia and myself about the difficulties of co-parenting. And we're really happy that um, Rosalind Sadaka is here to join us. We're going to dig into this topic today. So happy Friday, everyone. Happy Sonia. Happy Friday, Sonia. And I'm drinking tea today, so it hasn't kicked in yet. Good morning. Happy Friday. So yes, Paulette, we have one of my absolute favorite people in this industry, Rosalind. Welcome. Let me just do a quick intro, even though this doesn't do you justice with all of the work, the expertise that you bring. But for those of you who do not know this woman today, she is Rosalind Sadaka. She is the founder of the Child Centered Divorce Network. She is a divorce and co parenting coach and the author of numerous books, e courses, and programs on divorcing with children and co parenting successfully. So everybody's talking about it. These are challenging times right now, Rosalind. So welcome here, and we're so excited to have you. Thank you. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Wonderful. So we have, as Paulette said, we have gotten so many questions from people I'm about trouble connecting to the internet. That take a look at the help section in your Alexa. I'm sorry about that. That is randomly technology today is not our friend. But so we have had so many people in general going through divorce before uh, going through divorce, they are dealing with co-parenting issues. Then post-divorce, they're dealing with co-parenting issues. Roslyn, and this day and age, COVID-19 lockdowns, people are dealing with a lot of co-parenting issues. Courts are closed and resources. What's going on? How are people able to navigate these times right now? Well, none of them know exactly because this is new for everyone. And I have to keep reminding myself that when when any of us are feeling what's going on, everyone is feeling the same way. And it's especially hitting people who are divorcing or are divorced because the rules have changed and there's a new normal in every in every family. 
and childcare and parenting agreements especially are being replaced by new rules or new limitations or physical challenges. And that's being compounded by other factors that, that are already in place. Both parents are bringing the raw emotions from the divorce into this new stage in their life and no one knows for how long. So suddenly the children are in only one home or they're tentatively moving between homes with, with extra caution and every, every family is trying to figure it out themselves. Mom and dad are also obviously bringing previous baggage from the marriage and the ongoing conflicts and the disputes and the different styles of communication and the other unresolved issues and the frustrations that came from the divorce into the mix as they negotiate revised co-parenting agreements and plans and new ways of doing things. And they don't know for how long, which is especially uh, making it very challenging for everyone. And both parents are vying for the respect and the love of the children who are getting very frustrated and confused about the new reality. And they're easily tempted to slant their parenting decisions in the direction that wins them the most popularity with the kids, which of course gives the kids power and that often creates imbalance in the entire family and parenting equation. And then there's the anger and resentment resulting from the divorce settlement that may still be impacting and influencing the levels of cooperation that are needed, needed today and in the weeks and the months ahead. So that can be compounded dramatically. And parents may disagree about major issues that weren't part of the parenting dynamic in the past, mm -hmm. but they are now, um, such as scheduling homeschool issues and decisions and, and after school activities for kids of different ages around the house and ha handling curfews which may be changed because they're not going to school. New behavior problems are erupting with kids. We're looking at summer activities. Um, is there is camp going to exist? Uh, what other alternatives are there? Discipline uh, agreements may be much more um, challenging because of the reality of everyone being at home for much greater periods of time. So parenting in general is is more challenging. And then you have the fact that you're dealing with two co-parents and very often those parents don't share the same values and visions for the children, especially now with healthcare <clears throat> issues that we're all being confronted with. And now they're, they're supposed to agree about issues that have been um, addressed in separate homes, but now maybe they're they're in one home or for different time periods in separate homes. So all of it is is creating a lot of chaos and confusion. And we need to be very compassionate with ourselves and compassionate with our co-parents uh, during a times like this. Mm. Yeah, Rosalind, you bring up so many good points. Uh, my mind is just like full of information now that you just laid this foundation of which the um, dynamics of divorce have completely changed, not only in the court system, because the courts are closed. So that date you had on your calendar may be different. And um, maybe your appointments with um, your financial people and your legal advice and all the different players maybe have, thank God we have erasers, right? Not, we, I, I have learned not to put everything in pen. Mm -hmm. 
if there's ever a time for a pencil, this is it, right? It, it, things are going to change. So how, what's, let's start at the beginning with that. The best advice you can give with both mom or dad or both partners where there is a schedule or there has been, and it's just not working and there needs to be um, some changes, um, but you can't formally do that in the court system. But let's kind of start at the beginning where you've, you've started to see some turmoil. How, how is the best way for parents to, to change schedules without involving formal processes? Well, they have to be creative and they really have to focus on the co in co-parenting, which, mm -hmm. which is about cooperation, communication and collaboration, because that's first and foremost for, for every one of us. There's no one in, in your support system. Your, your attorney is not going to be able to pop up and, and help, and um, nor, nor will mediators. And it's, it's a time to reach out for coaching and, and mental health support because it's, we're, we're all in new territory. But it's important that some rules are, are always going to be there. Now, I, I would suggest um, moving into using the um, co-parenting uh, online scheduling tools. One that I like is twohouses.com, and there, there are several available. But you want to be in, in communication. If phone communication doesn't work, then you want to be in written communication talking about suggested changes that you make and suggested ways of adapting the life that was was pretty normal for you or the plans that you had ahead that aren't going to take place. I know some some um, divorcing couples are stuck in, in the home and having more difficulty than ever getting along because they're stuck in, in the homes. Others are stuck with the children are in one home when they should be moving back and forth and they're not doing that anymore for a number of different reasons. And um, there, there is no way of getting the legal support that people want, especially for day-to-day -day mundane issues. So we have to really step up and grow up and be mature adults and remember that we are role modeling this for our children. Every decision, every action we take, our kids are watching. And so most important is we don't want to be bad-mouthing our, our spouse or our former spouse around the children. No matter how frustrated we are, we have to keep in mind that um, this, is, this is tough on, on both sides. And we want to be able to talk to, to our um, former spouse in a way that's respectful. It doesn't put them on the de defensive. And you don't want to be using your children as the sounding board for your frustrations, which is so tempting and so so easy. We want to um, keep adult information away from the kids, especially now, and not be confiding in them all the parameters and legal issues that aren't working out for us because that's not their issue. Their issue is remaining kids, trying to still be kids despite all the craziness in their own lives, and then um, being able to live with two parents who are navigating something that's never been navigated before. When you do badmouth your ex to the children, they feel hurt and guilty for loving a, the other parent who's being put down. It puts them in a very awkward situation and they lose confidence in themselves. They lose confidence in you as well. 
and it doesn't serve any any value for children, no matter what their age is. Same thing with fighting around the kids. If you're going to have battles, keep them off the phone when you're or or in person when the kids are around. You have to remember that conflict around the children is the number one worst thing you you can do for them, and it creates turmoil and emotional upheaval for the kids. And you need to keep it away from them because they deserve better than that. And again, what are you role modeling for your kids to understand about how to deal with difficult situations and difficult people? And in alignment with that, you don't want to turn your kids into spies. Tell me what daddy said on the phone last night about this and that. And um, asking them personal questions about their other parent because it hurts them. It confuses them. They, they feel guilty for not giving in for, to what you need and at the same time feeling an allegiance to the other parent. It's, it puts a child in a terrible situation. And in alignment with that, you don't want to make your kids your confidant. This is not the time to use your kids as a therapist and start sharing the all your frustrations or your fears or your angers or your financial problems, mm-hmm. you need to reach out to find a support system. And for, fortunately, there are virtual coaches and therapists and, and um, support groups that are still taking place that are available that you could find online. And those people are there for that reason. Keep the kids out of the mix. You're not going to find absolute legal solutions in in the time manner that you want or in in the manner that you want. So this is really the time to step up with your skill sets. Oh, I love that. I love everything you've said. I mean, for me also, and and we talked about this in a past episode, I mean, bringing things back down to basics. Number one, I love everything you just said, letting kids be kids, remembering that they're going through this also. But at the end of the day, no matter how mature your child is or how much they understand, they're a child. Let them be a kid. The collaboration, the communication. For me, that's been, I've always believed in communication. I very much understand, and we all know this from our work, that there are a lot of times that co-parents struggle with communication because you were describing, Rosalind, all of the anger, the emotions that each baggage, that each parent comes into sort of the co-parenting relationship relationship with from their past uh, relationship with their partner. But the communication piece for me is so key right now. And that's because we're all going through something that we just don't know. Everything is so foreign. Everything is so unknown. We're all feeling different types of pressures. We, we're all affected in our daily lives in different ways. People losing jobs, losing loved ones to this. So communication, I just... I agree with you a thousand percent. And there's all of these different ways and tools that co-parents can use where you don't have to directly communicate, but you can just communicate. And I think something else, Rosalind, is the sticking to the issue. I think sometimes it's so hard for, for parents to just deal with What's the parenting issue? What is what is the goal of what your communication is? And not to bring in all of these other things that they felt and they that they've known and that they hate about the other parents. Stick to the issues. 
Yes, totally agree. And there's good ways of communicating effectively. Um, And and one of them has to do with being a good listener. Um, In my experience, most disagreements are caused by misunderstanding or misinterpretation. And so if you're talking to your, your former spouse and you need to clarify what you heard to make sure that was the intended message. Sometimes we run off in our minds in a direction and it wasn't even clear that that's what the person was, was trying to say, but we misinterpreted it. So we want to get a clarity right from the beginning and make sure their intended message is what we're hearing and not an assumption that you made in, in error because that creates hurt feelings and unnecessary anger and upset when it wasn't even justified. So the, there's uh, strategies of, of active listening that so many professionals teach, and it has to do with paraphrasing what you think you heard and then ask for an agreement, a validation or a clarification, and that helps you get to be clear about what you're hearing from your partner and also helps you clarify what you're saying. So you could say, so what you mean is, or what you're telling me is, and then just paraphrase back that. So you get some real clarity before you move into anything else and apologize if you got something wrong, if you misunderstood it or jumped to conclusions or anything like that. Be understanding if your co-parent made a mistake or said something that wasn't accurate rather than jumping into anger because we need to be more lenient with one another, especially at times like this. And we don't want to put each other on the defensive and putting each other on the defensive is really where we get into trouble in all our communication issues and especially as co-parents. So you want to find a middle ground that you could both live with and not be right fighters. People who are right fighters will do anything to, to show their right, to say, I told you so, and they have to win the conversation, the discussion, no matter what's going on. It's okay to agree to disagree, especially at times like this, and say, all right, let's, we both don't agree about this, but for this particular step, we'll, we'll do it your way, and for the other one, we'll do it my way. Find a way of, of compromising or, or creating some peaceful, immediate resolution because it's not written in stone. It's just to get by this week, next week, next month, while you're during, going through these tentative areas. And um, a good question to ask yourself is, what are the most common disagreements that I have with my ex? And identify them and think about them because you could tell in advance when you're moving into that territory because so many people, if you think about it, you're fighting about maybe two or three major issues that keep cropping up in different ways. So identify those issues and and ask yourself, are most of these battles related to the same topics? So how can I rephrase my perspective to make it easier for my partner to accept, my former partner to accept? Or what could I ask my former spouse to say to make me more open to their viewpoint? Talk about that because now's a time when you're both against the wall and you need to find some way to move and slip a little in one direction or the other. Talk directly about that and stop playing the games that you've been playing for so long because it's not getting you anywhere and it's especially 
disturbing during this period of time. Mm. One thing I'm finding now is the reinforcement of this concept of the fun parent versus the strict parent or the, you know, the good cop, bad cop, if we want to call it that, right? So you've got the, traditionally, that one parent is the one that, oh, we're going to go to mommy because mommy always says yes, or we're going to go to daddy because daddy always says yes. But now there's no routine, so, or less routine, a lot less routine, right? So yes, there's still brushing teeth and meals and all that, but with a lot, lack of structure, with school time, buses, uh, afternoon activities, homework, never mind curfews with teenagers and, you know, dating and movies and all that, because that's just what happened to that. So <clears throat> now we have this, um, you know, playing the favorites of like, oh, we want to be at this house because that is the more fun parent. That's the more lenient parent. That's the one that's going to maybe not make me do as much homework or I can stay up till I don't know, went till the cows come home to watch TV mm -hmm. and they allowed me to play video games for hours on hours on hours just to keep them to, woo. I mean, I love the online apps and I cannot believe how many there are now. At first there used to be just, gosh, I don't need to like name them all for advertising, but like uh, My Family Wizard and, you know, and then there's now, I don't know, 20? How many family co-parenting apps are there maybe? At least 10 that I know of. And you just mentioned two houses. And Rosalind, I'd never heard of that one. So yeah. that's right. amazing. I love the fact. Because innovation people, we need as much help as we can get. Like right. any tool you can get in your toolbox about communication, structure, routine, to maintain that. But going back to the good parent, bad parent, good cop, bad cop, you know, I don't mean it, it that the way of where I'm saying it, but that that leniency or the perception of the child. Ooh, um, how how can we deal with that? With you know, you maybe the kids aren't bouncing back and forth, or they're nesting, and parents are coming and going, or they're really in those ages where they're teenagers and they're trying to sneak out to be with their friends, and you know they get pretty bored, and oh, I'm just going to go for a ride on my bike, which turns into like they didn't go for a ride on their bike, and how do we handle those complicated issues? Yeah, and, and they always exist. Um, it's just more com compounded at, at the moment now. But it's good to keep in mind that we teach people how to treat us. Mm -hmm. And that applies to our children too. So we teach them how to treat us. If they're disrespectful and abusive in, in the way they talk to us because the other parent is more lenient and, and they make us the bad guy, we have to stand up for ourselves and not and not give in and not talk back to them like teenagers. We have to remember our role as as responsible adults, the mature person in the in the equation, and we have to act that way. We have to make decisions from a parenting place. And when the children are being abusive to us in verbally or or in the way their their attitudes and things like that. We can't accept it. So there has to be consequences for behavior without getting dramatic. So it's not a fighting match. It's not about who could scream louder, but it's it's letting them know in your behavior, in your tone, in your body language, that you disapprove of what they're saying or doing. And then very calmly say the consequence of that is, and then we have to stick to it. 
because inconsistency is what kids look for, and that's why they go back and forth between parents. And it's a good time, too, to speak to your co-parent and see if you could create some new do's and new rules that, that apply right now. And maybe, maybe your co-parent will support you in saying that um, you have to listen to, to your mom or your dad or, or whoever's the, the parenting partner about this and, and cooperate. Maybe they won't. But we have to be firm that in my house, this is the way things are done. And you're not going to speak to me disrespectfully or disregard the way I feel about this. If Once kids find that they're being let loose, it it's a slippery slope that they just keep grabbing more and more attention. And suddenly you're finding you've lost, you've lost the parenting control in the relationship. And you're not respected when that happens. So it's better to be respected than perhaps to be the popular parent temporarily because ultimately that's not going to serve your interests in, and parenting is a lifelong endeavor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it doesn't end when they're, what, 18? No. <laughs> uh, I'd like to ask your opinion on homeschooling. And just my, here's the, here's, hear me out. It's been shared with me in many communication I've had the last few weeks about the trials of learning how to homeschool. Now, there's been traditionally, and this is maybe a judgment I have, and I'm, I'll own that, is there's always been a little bit of a stigma about homeschooled or homeschooling. But now that everybody is doing it because of necessity, I am seeing a redefinition of homeschooling. And I'm curious to know how many parents will consider continuing the process. Have you seen or had any conversations about the way homeschooling has been considered in the past and where it is right now because of necessity and perhaps where you see it moving into the future? I, I think it's definitely um, going to be looked at in, in a new light. And um, there are some parents who are going to find more, they respect it more and will move into considering the options and possibilities, especially in families where there's um, physical geographic distances or, or disabilities or other reasons why homeschooling makes more sense. In other regards, I've, I've been hearing and reading that the lack of social interaction that children get in the school and the classroom environment mm -hmm. is is becoming more and more of an awareness and a factor for, for people so that we're realizing human beings are very social creatures and that seems to be affecting a lot of people more than anything else is just that lack of social communication. Um, school, children are realizing that being in school is, is about being with friends and having structure and having a support system all around them. I think different children are going to, some children who may be bullied and are having more difficulty in school socially are maybe finding it better and easier to, to be at home and not dealing with those traumas um, while others are, are missing the social interaction. So I think there's no one right answer in this regard. It may open the field so that more and more people are feeling 
that they have the right to choose one way or the other that best adapts to their particular family situation. And it may be in one family, there's two or three children, and it, it's a different fit for all of those children too. Some may be better off in a, in a home virtual environment and others in the typical classroom environment just because of their personalities. Mm. Yeah. Good point. I, uh, so this is something I love, Roslyn. So you talk about being a co-parenting hero. What do you mean by that? Yeah, I think everyone needs to um, have a hero in a co-parenting relationship. We don't always get two parents who want to really get along well and, and get the child-centered divorce message that, that I love. It, is, it isn't always a mutual. So one person has to stand up and say, I love my children so much that I'm going to be the hero in this relationship and step up and look past the satisfaction of being right or in every situation or getting their own way. And especially now, um, because it's in the best interest of your children to minimize conflict as much as you can. So that doesn't mean you get walked over because we never want to be doing that. But you want to stand up for what's important, but choose your battles and understand that compromise isn't always a bad thing. And sometimes compromise actually is best for the well-being of the children and the family and showing your, your former spouse that they can win this particular point makes them more able to say, all right, you could have that point. And suddenly you're finding agreement in shifting and changing things a little, but everyone is feeling a win. And that's what um, co-parenting is about. It's never about win-lose. It's always about win-win, finding solutions and resolutions that adapt to your children, to your particular family, to the two to co-parents. And the more you consider those options about the, the flexibility and finding the way that's best right now, especially since some people are not working, other people are working in incredible hours more than they've ever worked before. Um, mm -hmm. That may be adapting and fitting into your family in, in ways you never thought about before. So you want to change the reality for your children temporarily. And we don't know if temporarily is another month or if it's another six months, right. but it's never about who gets to be right. And it's always about being the best parent you can be for the children you love. So you always want to ask yourself the big question. And this is the underlying question for every co-parent, every time you have a co-parenting decision to make. And that is, do I love my kids more than I may hate or dislike my ex? It's that simple. Do I love my kids more than I hate or dislike my ex? Your answer has to be yes. And you have to take a stand and be careful with the language you choose. In order to be a hero, you're trying to avoid put downs or insults. You're trying to make points by using I language. So you could talk about your own feelings. I'm feeling stressed about not knowing if John's doing his homework as opposed to you language, you're, you're always saying this, you're always avoiding that, you're so insensitive, you forget to call uh, when you take Meg's temperature. There, there's a, a blame when you point the finger and use that you language, and it puts the partner on the defensive, and suddenly the communication 
isn't really about the issue. It's about how dare you, how dare you insult me? How dare you talk to me disrespectfully? So we really need to be very careful and mindful about what we're saying. And it takes a mature, self-aware adult to be the hero, to rise above the conflict when it's happening. And by remembering that we are role models because our children are watching and listening and emulating us, the good and the bad, that's a huge responsibility that we have to step up to. And we want to be a catalyst for setting the right example for our kids, especially now, because they're going to have memories about this experience. We all are. We're all going to be talking about this particular experience. And we don't know if this is a few months or a longer period. But your kids are going to, when they grow up, they're going to be remembering who made them feel safe, who made them feel protected and loved, especially during these trying times. And they're going to appreciate you for that. And when they're grown up, they're going to acknowledge you for, for doing that and, and stepping up into the role of being the hero in the relationship because they'll have the insight and wisdom to see that, that they can't now when they're five or 12 or 17. So this is, you're in it for the long run and you're molding the future of your children by what you're doing today, especially during crisis times. They're watching and learning from you. It's a huge responsibility. So step out and get support from others because none of us have the wherewithal to do this all alone. We need one another now, but don't put more burden on your children's shoulders. Step up and be the hero, either along with your co-parent or with the help and support of professionals who can be there for you virtually and make the decisions that need to be made now with confidence and knowing that we're all human and no one's going to do it perfectly. Well, isn't that the case? <laughs> it, 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 it's, a, it's a whole brave new world for everyone. I have one question that I got yesterday um, in a practical matter for parents who are contemplating divorce. They're not in the scoop mm -hmm. of it yet. They're just, they've already kind of worked through maybe some counseling and they've been arguing for a while and they've got some issues that they just don't seem to be able to correct or fix or be able to handle. So I'm asked if they should proceed or delay due to the situation with the courts being closed and things being shall we say, uncertain. So it's a challenging question because yeah. it depends a lot on the situation. You know, is there, is it a deal breaker? Is there a safety issue? Um, but it's, it's an individual, I believe, but do you have any take on that or how you would advise a family to these unique times being able to keep status quo because of the, um, mm -hmm lack of homeostasis or to really start to walk the walk and consider the procedure. Yeah. I, I think, you know, no two divorces are the same. And mm -hmm. I think because of that, you do have to take your particular situation into account and reach out and talk, talk to someone like you, to, to someone like you both to, to, um, attorneys, mediators, coaches who are available to talk and make a decision that makes the most sense for your family. If you're not dealing with crisis level issues, 
that it may be smarter to just let things slide for a while and see where we're moving in the next few weeks. If things are more dramatic, then you need to be taking steps that are dramatically um, making changes and shifting apart. I don't know if the legal shift of a divorce is, is as important and as the mental health shifts and changes and mindset and, and being able to feel good about yourself and, and feel safe during this situation. So that's, that's first and foremost is getting yourself into a good place where you can parent and you can co-parent if that's the situation now. And if you're all living in one home and, and you're in deep crisis situation, then you need to make a change and shift out of that very, very quickly. So I think legal parameters um, take a back seat at this moment to mental health parameters, common sense parameters, uh, physical and emotional well-being parameters. We have to make new rules that just adapt and fit our personal family situation. And that fortunately, you know, that can be changed in two weeks or in two months. Hmm. Yeah. I love everything you talk about, Rosalind. A few of the things that I love is you really give parents um, the permission to be human. Mm -hmm. And I just, the strategies you talk about, the tips you talk about, you just, there's, you know, people want that answer of how do I do this? Give me the checklist. I'll go through it. I'll do it. And then I end up in, I end up as a result here. And you give us permission to be human as parents, to make mistakes, to do better, to work towards being a better co-parent, a better parent to our children. And that's why I feel that all the advice that you give is so practical, real, and people can really work to implement certain strategies in their own co-parenting relationships. Because like you said, it's uh, we're in this for the long term. It's not just till they're 18 or 21, it's forever. So I really appreciate that. So for our listeners who perhaps have not been to your site, who don't know about all of the um, tools and resources that you offer, how do people get your eBooks, your resources? Where do they go? What do they need to do? Very simple. Just go to childcenteredivorce.com, childcenteredivorce.com. And right on the homepage, they could pick up my free ebook on co-parenting successfully. And then I have um, under the resources, they'll find my coaching services as well as e-courses and e-programs. I have a 10-hour audio coaching program with workbook. I have a co-parenting co guidebook. Uh, there's, there's several resources. I also have an eight-hour anger management for co-parents um, online course that um, some courts um, use as, as a resource for families who are really in conflict. So I have a lot of information. And also my signature book is How to Break the Divorce News to Children. How do I tell the kids about the divorce it's called? And that's available right at, at Child Centered Divorce as well. And that's a very innovative new approach to having that tough conversation, but it gets both parents on the same page right from the beginning, which is really a big plus, especially for attorneys and mediators who are then dealing with, with these um, 
clients. So we know that if we could catch the families as early on as possible, we could help them move towards a, a better long-term outcome and, and a real child-centered divorce in which the children are not being hurt and harmed emotionally and psychologically. And I know we, we are all in agreement about that. You couldn't have said that better. So thank you. Well, I think today has been pretty cool. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to wrap it up for Friday morning. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in live. And if you're not here with us live, you can always see it on the replay. The podcast is The Thriving in Chaos Project with Paulette and Sonia. Have a great day, everybody. Have a wonderful weekend. And everybody out there, happy Mother's Day. And thank you, Rosalyn, so much for today. Just wonderful, wonderful advice. Thank you. Your wisdom is timeless and unending, and we really appreciate your expertise and sharing it with our, our listenership. Thank you so much, Rosalyn. Thanks, Sonia. Thank you. Mother's Day to everybody. Toodaloo. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in and make sure if you want to talk to us or ask us questions, you can always email us at thrivinginchaospodcast at gmail.com. See you next week.